0: Maria, welcome to First Up, it is Ramere, that's Friday the 1st of July, ko Nathan I hope. Coming up, the NATO summit nears the end in Spain with leaders united in their position on Ukraine. Libraries, they're calling a truce with the book bandits, they're scrapping overdue fines and then they urge those books, come home, come home. And why winter salad days are well and truly over. Growers warn of a shortage of spinach, rocket and mesclun leaves as cold rain impacts crops.
1: We certainly aren't able to supply the volume that we usually do. A couple of days of fine weather might mean we're going to be okay for a few days and then if we get some rain we may be out again for a few days following that.
0: Kia ora koutou. welcome to First Up, I'm Nathan Rarere, it's the 1st of July, Canada Day. Uh, today, so of course, as they say over there, Gretzky, and uh, I'm able to say that to any Canadian that you see today, but we're just going to go south of there, to Canada's pants, uh, to the United States. Uh, where it appears that the Supreme Court is on a major right-wing role, uh, this time a decision that thumbs its nose at climate change, really, when you look at it, and in New York City is our correspondent, Bevan Hurley. Kia ora, Bevan, how are you?
2: Kia ora, Nathan, doing very well, thank you.
0: Okay, so tell us about this case uh, <laughs> that uh, the Supreme Court's in.
2: Yeah, um, another day, another momentous Supreme Court decision. Um, today, the Conservative justices on the court dealt a devastating blow to climate action in the US. Um, the court sided with nearly two dozen Republican-leaning states and fossil fuel interests to uh, to impose limits on the ability of the Environmental Protection Agency to regulate greenhouse gas emissions from coal-fired power plants. The decision um, could well kneecap uh, President Biden's plans to slash domestic em- emissions in half by 2030, and has been described as one of the most consequential cases for climate change and clean the air in decades. Um, and it comes on a day that um, we have just witnessed uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson being sworn in. She is, of course, the first black woman to uh, be seated on the Supreme Court. Uh, It comes after Stephen Breyer's retirement but it must feel like quite a hollow victory for the Democrats today. Um, You know, just in the past week, we've seen this court overturn Roe v. Wade protecting women's rights to abortion. We've seen the court expand the rights of gun owners to essentially allow them to carry concealed weapons for protection anywhere they want. And um, in response to um, these uh, recent decisions, President Biden this morning in a speech in Madrid said he was open to changing the rules in the Senate to be able to codify Roe into law. This would be quite a major change uh, to the way legislation is enacted in the states, because at present, the Senate uh, requires 60 votes uh, to allow passages of most pieces of legislation. But if the filibuster was done away with, uh, Democrats could pass bills with a simple majority of 50 in which in which they currently have. And Biden said it was in response to the destabilizing and outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court and overturning Roe v. Wade.
0: It's just the most puzzling democracy. You know, It's it's was set up because they didn't want a king and then they have their, they allow people to wait like a king. And now the people with the most votes can't get stuff done. It is it is just remarkable. But, of course, when we go back to that person who felt like he was a king, we talk about the January 6th uh, committee hearings. Cassidy Hutchinson, um, the her testimony the other day was incredible. I don't know which bit was more incredible when we got to it. What has the reaction been to that? I imagine that uh, people on the right are not happy with her at all.
2: Yeah, that's right. The reverberations of, of Ms Hutchison's explosive testimony on Tuesday continue to be uh, widely felt here. As, as you um, pinpointed, Nathan, you know, th- there's been an attempt to discredit um, a lot of what you said from the right, uh, from Trump, from the conservative base and the right-wing media, But, I mean, she was the chief aide to Donald Trump's um, chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and she was literally in the room when so much of this alleged criminal conspiracy took place. And it was that sort of fly-on-the-wall access that really took um, the committee and everyone who watched it into those um, uh, sort of backroom deliberations and was so powerful. Um, Yeah, uh, it's hard to pinpoint the the most damning... um, of her revelations, I mean, the one that really got me was that Donald Trump knew that people in the crowd were armed, and that he wasn't afraid to right. go with them to the Capitol, because he thought they wouldn't harm them, they were on his side. Um, But, you know, we've seen um, that she's also been really widely praised and, um, you know, for for that sort of picture of this sort of unhinged bad, mad king. And um, it remains to be seen if if any of the other people who are in the room will have the courage to step forward and um, sort of corroborate some of her testimony.
0: Yeah, two high-profile cases uh, this week coming to a conclusion. Uh, Two people sent to jail. Good, uh, Gleyman Maxwell and also um, R. Kelly.
2: Yeah, this was a day that, you know, many of their victims must have wondered um, if it would ever come. But both Ghislaine Maxwell and R. Kelly were sentenced to decades in federal prisons this week for child sex trafficking offences. You know, they they both um, recruited and groomed vulnerable young children over a long period of time. Um, And it was quite um, remarkable to be in the courtroom to to witness uh, Maxwell's sentencing. You know, she... um, rose to her feet, her ankles were shackled. Um, and she basically said that, you know, her association with Epstein would, would permanently stain her and was the biggest regret of her life. And that was the first time I think we've heard directly from her in any way, sort of distance herself from from Epstein. But of course, um, this was far too little and and, and really pretty inc- inconsequential in the end as she was sentenced to 20 years in prison and fined $750,000. And she's unlikely to be released because of federal sentencing laws here until she's 78, Nathan.
0: Wow. Yeah, and I see uh, R. Kelly as well. 30 years, too. I think there were 30 accusations against him. Bevan Hurley, thank you very much for your time. Here's our man in New York, and we speak to him every week. It is 12 past 5, if you're listening live, uh, to First Up here on RNZ National uh, with me, Nathan Rada. Remember, you can always download the podcast as well anytime you like, listen to the whole show across the weekend. As uh, the NATO summit in Spain comes to an end, Western leaders are united in their attitude to Russian aggression in Ukraine. The BBC's Frank Gardner from Brussels
3: training for a war that's already happening Ukrainian soldiers on Salisbury Plain, part of a package of British military assistance to that country that now totals over 2 billion pounds here at the NATO summit in Madrid Western leaders have been pushing for more help for Ukraine and for NATO to stand up to what they call Russian
4: aggression we face the most serious security situation in decades But we are rising to the challenge with unity and resolve. The decisions you have taken in Madrid will ensure that our alliance continue to preserve peace, prevent conflict and protect our people and our
3: values. This NATO summit has seen a real hardening of attitudes to Russia, describing it as a direct threat to Western security. It's also seen two new members, Finland and Sweden, invited to join the alliance. And it's prompted military deployments to Europe that are the closest thing to a return to Cold War postures that we've seen in more than 30 years. Ukraine's army has been steadily losing ground in the east as it begs for more weapons to hold back the advancing Russians. Some leaders are more vocal than others in saying that Western assistance must continue for years, if necessary. Our, our job is simply to vindicate the principle, to stand up for the principle of the right of the Ukrainians to protect themselves. That's what we're doing. That's what everybody in the alliances is, is doing. And uh, we want to give them the means to repel the, uh, the Russians, to expel uh, the Russians from the territory that they have occupied, because that is the right thing under international law. <laughs> Russia still calls its invasion of Ukraine just a special military operation. It's accusing NATO of having imperialist ambitions by admitting new members. But it has offered what it calls a goodwill gesture, withdrawing its forces from Snake Island and the Black Sea. So is a peace deal possible? I asked Estonia's Prime Minister if the West has been naive about President Putin.
5: I think uh, West has been misled by Putin, Uh, that is true, uh, that uh, he has lied a lot uh, and and has not kept the promises that he has given. And therefore, we shouldn't believe uh, him anymore. Plus, the mistake that we have done is that uh, the war crimes have not been
3: punished. For now, this summit is keen to project an image of unity. But when these leaders return home, they will have other, more domestic priorities. Not every promise made at this summit will be kept. That was the BBC's Frank Gardner.
0: Coming up to a quarter past five here at first up on RNZ National with me Nathan Raditi and I am a uh, like to hear from you this morning just get some ideas off of you. It is Canada Day today, so um, say something nice about Canada two one oh one. There you go. Or first up at RNZ.co.nz. Uh, the other thing too, um, this n- news is huge, isn't it? Uh, New Zealand and the EU signing a highly anticipated trade deal. I'm just reading this off the uh, the Stuff website here, um, and it's worth one point. $8 billion annually to New Zealand when it's eventually rolled out. But I like this one. Geographic indicator rules will mean that Kiwis can't sell products called feta or port in nine years. So come up with a, uh, a different name for feta that we can sell it in round the world so they know. All right, well, sorry, to the EU, Okay, because I think it's like that whole it can't be champagne unless it's grown in the champagne region, that kind of thing. So Feta or Port, if you've got a different name for those that we can market it as, uh, let me know. 2101, or just say something nice about Canada or a thing that you know, your favourite thing. Here we go. We'll head to Africa now. This is sad, sad news. The bodies of 20 people have been found in the Libyan desert. Um, also, a gold tooth of a former leader of the Democratic Republic of Congo has been returned for burial. Join me now from Mali is uh, Nabil Ahmed. Morena, Nabil.
6: Hello, Nathan.
0: Tell me about these poor folks and how they ended up dead in the desert.
6: Well, these uh, people were trying to cross the desert to the Mediterranean coast, and eventually they would want to end up in Europe. But when they were on the desert, uh, we are learning that their vehicle broke down near the border with Chad. And while they were there for a long period, uh, they were thirsty and couldn't get water to drink, and uh, they died as a result of thirst while uh, stuck uh, on on the desert, uh, Nathan. Uh, And we know that this is something that has been happening for a very long time. It's not the first of its kind. A lot of thousands of people actually die on the desert in their attempts to cross to Europe, uh, Nathan.
0: Oh, so, so sad, so sad. Uh, If we we talk about Sudan here, last year uh, there was, what, the takeover by the armed forces. So can you tell me about this preparation for a day of anti-coup mobilisation? What is this?
6: Well, uh, Nathan, um, these uh, protests are going to be held by uh, pro-democracy activists in Sudan. Uh, Now, they want to force the army to hand over power to civilians um, because after an October military uh, coup plunged the country into political and economic stagnation. Now, eventually, uh, before the demonstrations, Internet and telephone access have actually been uh, blocked and security forces have been deployed in various uh, communities in uh, Khartoum, which is the capital of Sudan and its environs. And um, people who are pro democracy uh, are trying to push the need for the country to return to a civilian government because they feel the military rule has not really helped uh, them that much in terms of trying to help, uh, I mean, improve the economy of. The country, and even before they would hit the streets, there's been uh, military deployment to many parts of the country to try to, I mean, put a stop to these demonstrations. uh, Nathan,
0: Nabil, I know that you told us the other week about the Belgian king um, going to the Democratic Republic of Congo and returning some things, which I, I think one of them was a tooth. Can you tell us about this? It's been buried with an independence hero.
6: Yes, indeed. Uh, A ceremony is being held uh, for the DRC uh, burying the uh, gold crown tooth of the former leader, Patrice Lumumba, uh, after about 60 years after he was assassinated. Now, this is a great gesture because the former colonial ruler, Belgium, actually retained that golden tooth to the country. And today, a ceremony has been held to honor the memory of such a leader by burying that single tooth, which is the only remains of the former leader uh, when he was assassinated. And it's been a sorrowful uh, I mean, period for many of the people in DRC and also even the family of Pat- Patrice Lumba, who were actually in Belgium, to uh, claim their tooth uh, when a ceremony was held in that country. And it's a sad moment for many uh, people in Democratic Republic of Congo, as only the golden good tooth of the former leader is being buried.
0: Nathan. Now, Nabil, Bill, um, I'm wondering: Are you running up and down the street very fast where you are in Ghana? Are you looking good at catching balls? Because I hear that the NFL, the American Professional Football <laughs> League, is holding its first talent scout uh, scouting camp in Africa, where you are in Ghana.
6: Yes, uh, Nathan. This is exciting because even though um, American football is not quite popular here in Ghana, even other parts of Africa, I mean, efforts are being made to get talent to participate in the NFL. And a lot of young people are excited about this, and the scouting is ongoing, and people are looking to also get a call up. Um, at the end of the day, it's hoped that some academy for training of these young talents will be set up, and these. Uh, Talents will end up even playing in the NFL, and we know that even Nigeria is also going to benefit from this boot camp that is ongoing, and South Africa as well. So it's a lot of excitement when it comes to, um, I mean, Africans um, getting to uh, a chance to uh, get a call-up uh, to play in the NFL. So uh, people are really excited about this, Nathan.
0: Well, fantastic. There he is. He's a future Denver Bronco. He's uh, Nabil Ahmed. And he joins us from Ali. Thank you, sir. I've
7: bunch of there they are, standing in
0: the
8: Big ones, small ones, Let's go to you the fresh a produce, produce, a uh, produce the markets
0: rooster. now for our first day of July. And joining me bright and early, it's the Minister of Fruit and Veg, it is Glenn Forsyth. Morning, Glenn. How are you going? Whatever, Nathan. Very well. Yourself, sir? Oh, I'm good. It's Boy, it's been a, a full-on week. Tell me this, um, the green veggie front, I know you actually you spoke about this, it might have been last week or the week before, you mentioned it. it's not looking good out there on the leafy green front, is it?
9: Yeah, you know how every labour weekend we say it's like a light switch goes on and salad, veggies and strawberries, for example, start pouring in the doors? Um, well, you can put your finger on the 1st of July every year and that light fairly and squarely gets extinguished. Mm. I mean, it's been cold wet and dark, affecting quality and slowing growth, and the market went nuts on several lines yesterday due now to a serious lack of supply. Some guesses next week on a few retails will be tomatoes, $10 a kilo, capsicums, $4 each, cordettes, $20 a kilo, cucumbers, $6 each, beans, $30 a kilo, lettuces $9 each. It's all getting rather depressing. Cauliflowers are getting small, cabbages getting lighter. This all doesn't bode well for two more months of winter to come yet for green vegetable supply. Uh, Not forgetting either, Horafenua crops, seedlings and plantings got smashed with that hail. That created a hole. So southern demand goes on to Pukekohe and further demand from the Pacific Islands even too for our produce as Australian options for them are equally as expensive. It really is back to the basics and batten down the hatches time. Sack of spuds, onions, carrots and apples – You know, these are the lines that are in season now. Shop around for deals at all stores in your area. Pick on their specials, usually at the front when you walk in. Compare prices online. Be savvy. Don't be shy to buy in bulk at times either, looking at, you know, some home delivery options online at many wholesalers and the like. So, yeah, she's she's going to be tough, Nathan.
0: Yeah, and you got to, You can get a bit creative with things. Hey, Glenn, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but uh, at a place that I go to, and and the chef there is an interesting guy. He got delivered some taro, and he's not from New Zealand. He'd never seen taro before. He made it into like a little, almost like a a donut ball. And it was imp- It was incredible, and he went, "Well, I just figured it was quite sweet. You could do that." And I thought, you know, maybe we'll invent something here, and it could be a, a first-up thing that one of our audience can make. Um, so Beautiful. that's yeah. I mean, the veg is not a huge amount of variety there, so I would gather not a lot better in the fruit aisle. Well, um, so veg- surprisingly on vegetables On top of those three mentioned basic
9: vegetable lines There are half a dozen more winter lines in good supply These are mushrooms, pumpkin, parsnips, yams Baby carrots, beetroot And especially plentiful kumara Their yield was good And will escaped the rain at harvest time Now the Jerusalem artichoke are in season also And the sales lady gave some tips on these They can be roasted, added into stews Made into soup Or for a more dense topping on a pie You can use Jerusalem artichoke in place of potato Now speaking of potatoes the more affordable moonlight varieties available over the agria and low tatoes, the low carb spud, they're in town. Now I'm sure all our listeners as youngsters did it tough at wintertime meals as a family. Fresh homemade soups are wholesome and filling and after we slowly stomached dad's four two one soup, most dinners were then mince with diced onions and frozen peas throughout, a bit of sliced cooked cabbage and naturally the big pot of mixed mash, three to four potatoes, a carrot, a kumara and a chunk of pumpkin. I mean was that exciting? No, not at all. But did it fend off children? and ills though yes it sure did and after school mum would fry up the leftovers called them flim flams and would eat back with some toast and an egg
0: a so bit of, bit of yeah. flim flam i like that's a great name for it i like that hey glenn um we do um a lot of people wake the kids up for this they want to know glenn what is your fruit of the week oh, but, oh no hang, on, wait, 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 hang, on, hang on, on the on the boards not, not yet mate here we go he, glenn what is your fruit of the week <laughs> That's
9: right, fruit of the week. Now, this could be classed as Brave or Rash or both, in all complaints to Jeremy, please, but we are going to go with Australian naval Oranges.
0: ta Apparently can't <laughs> play it twice in a
2: row. Okay, well, now we
9: have... <laughs> That's, yeah, sorry about this. We have boats unloading in the weekend, so look out for good buys on these from Monday. Vital, one huge grower in South Australia. They have a, they have a dry climate, cold nights, and the internal strength and integrity of the fruit is exceptional. Australian and New Zealand citrus complement each other in a way. You know, we have their naval oranges at their peak now, then our ones peak at the end of July, but our Satsuma mandarins hold the pole position now currently, and the Australian of mandarins begin late July here when our ones die. But to match in-season vegetables for our winter, we do have winter fruit in good supply as well. Apples as mentioned being number one in good supply in prices. And then citrus such as mandarins, lemons, and grapefruit. Kiwi fruit, of course, uh, tamarillos picking up and imported bananas and pineapples all available. Shipping continues to be a nightmare, for example. Two weeks ago we got a good head of grapes, but arrivals are so inconsistent it is feast or famine at times. There you go, sir. Beautiful. Have a good weekend,
0: Glenn. You too, bud. A handsome man, the Minister of Fruit and Veggies, he's Glenn Forsyth. It's up past five. Sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. This is the day of our life we like to call the 1st of July. Uh, uh, Diana Spencer, Princess of Wales, called born on this day in 1961. And in 1979, people went, what is that? And then they argued, do I call it a Walkman? People went, no, it's a Walkman. And they said, really, do you call him Superman? And that's where the argument came from. But anyway, Sony uh, began selling that on this day in 1979. But none of that is important right now because uh, this is uh, the, uh, it's Canada Day. And do know if you've got the music there for us. This is, um, we're going to read out some great Canadian things, Canadian inventions. Here we go. Uh, global time zones. AM broadcasting. Thank you, Canada. Newsprints and pulp wood paper. Hawaiian Pizza. Yes, Sam Panopoulos invented it in Ontario in 1962. The Robertson Screw. The California Sushi Roll. I know, uh, created by the Japanese Canadian chef Hidetaku Tojo in the 70s. William Shatner. The Electric Cooking Range. Poutine. The Push-Up Bra. Super Phosphate Fertiliser. Yukon Gold Potatoes. Steam Powered Foghorns. The Parker Jacket. Sonar. The Caesar Cocktail, invented in Calgary in 1969. The Egg Carton. Anna Paquin. Garbage Bags. Spreadable Peanut Butter. Half Tone Engraving. The Jolly Jumper. We all learned how to stand up on one of those. Brett the Hitman Heart. Lawn Sprinklers. Jockstrap Hard Cups. I know, in 1927. Baggage Tags for Luggage Bags. The World's First Electric Organ. Trivial Pursuit. Baseball. Jim Carrey The corking gun The paint roller The electric car heater No surprise there Electric wheelchair Road lines The uh, Rangi, I need more music Play it again Play it for me again Road lines The alkaline battery Neil Young The process of extracting medical insulin Snowmobiles The abdominiser basketball invented by Canadian James Naismith the incandescent light bulb artificial cardiac pacemakers CPR mannequins, forensic pathology and policing, lacrosse, ice hockey instant replays in sports the Blackberry device and Pamela Anderson Thank you Canada
7: The best things in life are free but you can give them to the birds and bees.
0: I want the money. Joining us now from the business team, he's still stunned about the news of Hawaiian pizza. It's uh, Nicholas Poynton who joins me right now.
10: <laughs> I imagine someone in like a like a, like a, like an underground lab experimenting with got all it. these chemicals. You've got it. <laughs> hey, this, some? <Like>, um... <laughs> so go on, go on. Let's talk. It's, let's, it's let's, got... let's, let's, let's get to work. That was
0: great. No, I like that. No, the uh, the pineapple. I'm on the pineapple. Um, tell me this, man. So this uh, free trade deal that signed um, overnight
10: with the EU. Tell me about that, because it, it, it looks quite impressive. It looks impressive. Yes, look, I'm looking at it. There's clearly winners, and there's also going to be some people who feel like losers. So getting to the headline figures here, uh, trade to Europe is worth about $17.5 billion, that's the latest figures we have. Mm. The government says this new deal uh, will help that grow by about $1.8 billion dollars, going to have duty-free access for 97% of current exports, with over 91% being removed from the day this free trade agreement comes into force. Going to remove about $110 million worth of tariffs. Right. And I said these clear winners, they, they, that, that those are the export sectors that are going to, or the, the products that are going to have an immediate uh, removal of tariffs. Things like kiwi fruit, wine, onions, apples, manuka honey, Manufactured goods, as well as almost all fish and seafood. And look, to me, just I, I haven't had too much time to really go through the details. Well, hasn't been that very but, long, has it? No, no, it hasn't. But look, kiwi fruit really jumps out as a as a clear winner to me in the sense that. The EU is already a large export market, but this agreement will see the removal of about $37 million in in tariffs. And that's just going to allow our exporters to have bigger margins on their products, generate more revenue, bringing that revenue back here to New Zealand by way of profits. Fish and seafood, look, we'll have to see what products are excluded in that regard, but look, they're going to be looking at savings of around $20 million each year. But I did say that there were People who would feel like losers, and it's definitely they're going to be. I'm, I suspect red meat and the dairy sector. Uh, we've already got a statement out here from the red meat sector saying that this is already a missed opportunity for farmers, mainly because that they're only going to have a small quota. They're, well, they'll be able to export about ten thousand tons into the European market, hmm. but that market con- consumes about six point five million tons of beef annually. We haven't heard from the dairy sector yet, but I heard them on the radio yesterday saying that they really wanted a high quality uh, free trade deal. If they couldn't get it, they would say that there's no point in agreeing to one. It would be actually worth going back to the drawing board and keep the the negotiations rolling on. So, look, there's going to be much made of this. I'm sure there'll be plenty of talking heads and sector experts to give their two cents on it. Um, On the surface, look, those numbers do look pretty good, but the devil, as always, will be in the detail, not the un- um, Fitted, fretted? Ah uh, and feted. No, you can't say fetter. That's part of it. Yeah, well that's an interesting no, that look some of the naming of our products going into Europe. Um that's that's interesting, right? I, I
0: can understand that though, because you know how people get the whole actually it's not really champagne unless it's from the champagne uh, region. Yeah, I yeah. suppose it's it's that, is it? Oh, and, it's, and I wonder it's, if that it's actually, sort of stuff. And I wonder if, if reciprocally, reciprocally, if it protects some of our things as well. No, that's kiwi fruit
10: that has to be from here. You know, yeah, like yeah, that. it's yeah. manuka honey that has yeah. to be from here. Yeah. Uh, but interesting was uh, exporters the use of the word feta, You had an interesting idea to make it feta. Yeah, feta.
0: A... Well, if we just spell it, you know, like as if it's in Rio, if we just spell it, w h e t a
10: feta. I reckon yeah. that rocks. You like that? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. And Done. the other thing. Boom. It'll be distinctly New Zealand, iconic... You can tell that great story about our farms, I mean, <laughs> our cows roaming around in yeah. nice, lo- lovely green. And amongst the pungers, It's lovely. Uh, green meadows. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Love it. Good one.
0: Thank you very much, Nicholas. Yeah, you. Uh, you can hear more from the business team on Morning Reports morning at 10 to 7. Uh, to your Friday money markets now, your New Zealand dollar is out there. It's battling away. Oh, it's doing it, but it's, it's fighting hard for you. It'll buy you 62.41 US cents, 90.42 Australian cents, 59.64 Euro cents, fifty-one point three. British pence, 4.171 yuan, 84.69 Japanese yen and if you're travelling to Namibia your New Zealand dollar is worth 9.30 Namibian dollars. I'm to Barry Guy on the RNZ Sports desk. Kia ora Barry, who are hey. you? Yeah, yeah, good Friday. Yeah, hey. Leicester, offer key Wales Twickenham Faiing Anuku. Has yeah. there ever been a better name than that to play for the All Blacks? The answer no. No,
8: you've got to think perhaps his dad. Uh, did he did he
0: play he over there? Or yeah, something? he he played, and I believe it was, he played for Tonga, and I think it was the win over Wales, which was in Leicester, and then they played the next game at Twickenham, and I think. Leicester right. was born a few days after that, so it might have been on that week or something. So he was very right. happy. Okay, oh, cool. well, I
8: mean, there are plenty of options over there. I was, I was just thinking, actually, Murrayfield. Yeah, Murrayfield. You know, look, 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 Ka- Cardiff Arms, you know, back what? then or Lansdowne. I do or,
0: remember there was Car- uh, Tuohyanga's son, I believe, was Cardiff Cardiff Tuohyanga. So you know, successful places there. But yes, there's yeah, a, an All Blacks game this weekend. How uh, how's your confidence check?
8: Where are you uh, at? Give me a percent. Well, I, you know, Ireland have never won here, have they? So uh, I think there's a good chance that the All Blacks will win that. Oof. Um, What's the weather forecast for Auckland? Uh?
0: It's really cold and it's a bit swirly and it's one of those ones where uh, Eden Park's an interesting one. If you get a lot of rain, it's better than some rain if you know what I mean because a yeah. lot kind of sinks it in whereas if, if you don't quite get enough, it's a little greasy there and there's always a corner where it's very windy uh, with the big Kia sign next to it and that's the one they've got to worry about. But I was, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's an interesting game for me. I thought, man, with if if you're Ireland, you've never had a better chance to beat the All Blacks, have you, particularly when you look at the disarray they've had with having to call people in and now I see even what Greg Feek's gone and they've called in Mike Cron.
8: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that if uh, the All Blacks lose, it's going to be because of the uh, disruption from COVID. Uh, you know, it'll mm. be uh, because they, they're getting outplayed. I would like to see uh, Aaron Smith and Bowden Barrett sort of take a dominant role here and just really uh, take control of this game and, you know. Plug the ball where it needs to go, and those sorts of things, and mm. then put pressure on, and uh, hopefully win the breakdown. And as long as uh, we can keep uh, all fifteen on the field at the same time, I would say that there's a good chance that uh, the All Blacks can win. So, Are you thinking uh, of a blindside flanker who likes to be carted? I'm not going to say anything, uh, right. no particular names or anything yeah, like that. But right. you know, there's a that's what's happening at the moment, and we've <laughs> seen it all the way through Super Rugby. Yeah, you know, and it, when it comes to test matches, uh, when you're down a guy for fifteen minutes, um, you know, uh, ten minutes, it makes it a bit tough. So, uh, yeah, but good to see the Warriors uh, back. Um, yes. Sell out there uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, and so um, that's fantastic. Mm. Uh, I I don't really well. I'd like to see them win. They'd be nice, but just the fact that they're back and um, I think that'll uh, give them um, you know at least a half a dozen points that they've that played at home. Long... Actually, will
0: they will they remember where to go? Exactly. I was going to um, yeah, say it's been a long time route. since anyone sold yeah. a Fritz's wiener at <laughs> um, <laughs> at their park. I'll tell you that. So they'll be very happy. Yeah, which way's the wind blow? When we, I can't <laughs> remember
8: now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So looking forward to that. Um, another player uh, has tested positive. Roberto uh, Bautista Agut. Um, at Wimbledon, so that that's three men seeded players that have pulled out this week. Interesting, uh, earlier this week, Elise Cornet, the French uh, tennis player, said that during the French Open, it was uh COVID was widespread, but right. there was an agreement amongst the players that they just wouldn't say anything and that they, oh. they carried on, which is a bit naughty. And well, either that or it shows that perhaps it doesn't disrupt um, a tournament too much. Uh, oh. and Raf is uh, playing now, I, think, I see he's just gone to the four set against someone there, him and uh. Um, what's his name? Novak is scheduled to meet uh, in the final. Oh, there, as long as he beats Novak,
0: that's all. I don't know why. He's become a Darth Vader of tennis. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah.
8: yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, Rafa, you know, he was a bit of a. A rebel when he
0: was younger, but you know, everyone matures oh. slightly yeah, and we all love him now. Yeah. So, uh, um, also Barry, I, to that. I turned on my, my telly last night and had a look. And went, what are they? Oh, and Tour de France starts it tomorrow. And there's um, it's got the great stage in it, the one that you all go, Oh, that one, the the yeah. Elk de Wes stage, which is they're always halfway through on the weekends. I love those, it's one of the best tourism videos in the world. I'm not a huge cycling fan, but I always find myself drawn to it because it's gorgeous. Oh, yeah, I but watch it, you know,
8: in the morning here, gorgeous. and they do that recap at about oh. six o'clock in the morning morning which i always try to watch i know a couple of people that have gone over and done those tours where you cycle bits of the uh uh the stages and then and (laughs) then you go and sit at a cafe on the street and then all of a sudden the train starts going through i mean the the road train of all of the you know preamble and everything and then you know the cyclists go (laughs) past and you Share them with a glass of wine or whatever, and they've all gone in five minutes. And then yeah. you know you carry on drinking, and it it's beautiful. Great. Good on you. Hey, you cheers, on. Barry. Everybody there is uh,
0: Barry at the RNZ Sports Desk uh, for us uh, today. Uh, just very quickly, I'll we'll have a look through some of your feedback that's coming. Someone's gone tiffer for fitter. We could sell that uh, better. Is better than feta. Feta um, uh, is also a village in Ghana. So uh, that's a nice thing to find out this morning. Uh, this is what we're doing here. We can go with it. Here's one a new name for feta. What about koti, which is, um, you know, uh, Māori for goat or uh, tehi, uh, which is cheese. Thanks. Yeah, it's been quite a good one. See, we're thinking here in the audience here at uh, First Up and um, Doug here in Cambridge says what a sad, confused USA administration inflicting dubious regulations across their nation. Uh, The ordinary American citizen must be shaking their heads in disbelief. On the other hand, Canada continues positively both in international business and the administration of their continent. Another very good week. Um, Friend, kind regards Doug there in Cambridge the professionals of morning report are up next That is Susie Ferguson who's here to uh, tell us about what's going on on the uh, program this morning Kia ora, how are you
11: I'm well, thank you. How are
0: you? I'm very good. I'm very pleased with our audience coming in with all sorts of feta facts and new names <laughs> for feta. Uh feta is yeah, a have occurred. to come up with them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I thought we just spell it, you know, as, as if it's a word in real and we just go W H feta. Boom. Feta. Yeah. Like yeah. That. You like that? Hey.
11: It's really good. Enough. That's the one. Someone's got to try and top that, but I'm not sure they're going to. <laughs> yeah. Uh and indeed do keep those coming into us 2101 yeah, yeah, on do. text because uh, of course this is because of the Historic free trade deal that has been signed with the European Union after years of negotiations. We're going to be talking about that, of course, on the programme. Also, it's a pretty busy Friday, it has to be said, because the biggest change in health care is coming today. The DHBs mm-hmm. are out, uh, central agencies running health from today. There's going to be a launch this morning, so of course, we will be hearing more on that as well. Uh, Also, the NATO summit coming to an end. That's one that the prime minister was talking to. And we'll also be hearing uh, about what we're looking for, I suppose, over the next few months, weather wise as well. It's likely to be warmer than average. We will hear more on this from Chris Brandolino of NEWA. And all of that, of course, is coming up. After six o'clock this morning,
0: I hope it's going to be warmer because I've been really cold the last couple of days, and I've been a bit Stenchy. angry, a bit angry at the weather. Yeah, thank you very te, much. No makariri. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. It's a quarter to six here at RNZ National. Uh, the far-right violent extremists known as the Proud Boys and the Base have been officially declared terrorist groups here in New Zealand. The groups, which are active in the United States, do not ha- oh, do not have branches here that we know of, but will be banned from attempting to set any up. Here's our deputy political. Editor Craig McCulloch.
12: The The Proud Boys won international notoriety in January last year as they joined those storming the US Capitol. Five members of the neo fascist hate group have since been charged for their involvement.
3: The best organization in the world. And what is that? The crowd Hell
12: yeah. Now they, along with the paramilitary neo-Nazi group, The Base, have been officially classed as terrorist organisations in New Zealand, due primarily to their use of violence. These are white supremacist terrorist groups. We don't believe, and I don't think New Zealanders believe, that any New Zealander
13: should be enabling and supporting them.
12: They join the likes of Islamic State, the IRA, and Brenton Tarrant, the man who killed 51 Muslim worshippers in Christchurch. In 2019. Both Australia and Canada have made similar declarations in recent years. The decision was signed off by both the Prime Minister and the Police Commissioner, Andrew Costa.
1: There's no intelligence that I'm aware of to suggest that this is a current problem in New Zealand. It's a preventative deterrent mechanism for those groups
4: not to operate here.
12: And the deterrent is a significant one. The declaration means anyone who helps fund or recruit for the groups could face up to seven years in prison. Byron Clark is one of the country's foremost researchers into the far-right scene. He says the organisations may not have branches here in New Zealand but they do have supporters in similar groups like Action Zealandia.
6: There's certainly been people I've seen here who have posted on social media in support of them and in support of actions they're doing. And I think having these groups now designated as, as terrorist organisations will mean things like that are picked up on a bit more by say, law enforcement.
12: Te Poonaha Matatini's disinformation project has been monitoring anti-vax discourse in New Zealand since the pandemic began. Researcher Senjana Hatotua says those forums are increasingly being infiltrated by far-right and white supremacist ideologies.
6: All of that, that constellation of discourse and the vocabulary that they use to bring about the future they want, is present, pulsating and growing at pace within Aotearoa.
12: These are the first far-right groups to be added to New Zealand's list of designated terrorist entities. Authorities have previously been accused of ignoring the threat, though last year the SIS boss Rebecca Kitteridge told MPs roughly half of its counter-terrorism efforts were aimed at white identity-motivated extremism. The director of Massey University's Centre for Defence and Security Studies, William Howard, says the declarations sent a clear message that New Zealand will not tolerate any form of political violence.
6: The Royal Commission inquiry that came out was really clear that we had focused in the past on Islamic extremism and there were some good reasons for that. But at the same time, there was clear evidence that, you know, Anders Breivik being an example, Timothy McVeigh being another of white Premises and terrorist action as being a clear domestic threat to Western nations.
12: The Proud Boys and the base now very much on the radar and not welcome here in New Zealand. Deputy political editor Craig McCulloch.
1: I, I return that book.
8: I remember it very specifically. You're a comedian. You make people laugh. I try. You think this is all a big joke, don't you?
4: <laughs>
0: Yes, as heard in that Seinfeld clip, libraries have historically given out fines for overdue books, but that's been changing in recent times with a number, uh, in fact, a growing number of New Zealand libraries declaring an amnesty on late fees and fines. Public Libraries of New Zealand has just launched fine-free Aotearoa campaign to spread this
13: message, bring back your overdue books, no questions asked. Here's Leonard Powell with the report. Fines for late library books look set to become things of the past in New Zealand.
5: We will now have 35 libraries out of 66 who are completely fine-free, which is 53%. So now, more than half the libraries in New Zealand will be fine-free.
13: That's Louise Lahat, spokesperson for Fine Free Aotearoa. Such initiatives are becoming common around the world, with over 700 libraries globally calling a truce with book bandits. Fine Free Aotearoa want to get the message out to those who are avoiding libraries due to their debts.
5: The money shouldn't be a barrier to them using us, and we want to um, be able to tell them as well about all the wonderful things that they can access through us.
13: From today, Gisborne's HB Williams Memorial Library will be following suit. Former librarian Penny Walsh is the Cultural Activities Manager at the Gisborne District Council.
5: o it was just without question, the council passed this abolition of fines just absolutely without question.
13: Miss Walsh says removing the fines is all about making libraries accessible for everybody.
5: Simply because it's a punitive measure that was brought in many, many years ago to allow books to circulate more so that people weren't holding them at home too long. However, there's been a lot of international evidence because libraries are very good at collecting evidence around their practices the uh, evidence is really that it has made absolutely no difference whether you fine or not fine, books will be returned. However, if you get so much as a $2 fine on your membership, they're likely not to return to the library. And the key thing about libraries is that it's access for all. And when you start having punitive measures, then it's not access to all.
13: And the reaction from the locals in the Taiarawhiti region has been immediate.
5: It's been announced today, and we've already had messages from a number of people saying, hooray, we're coming back to the library. My inbox for the last two weeks has literally been pinging two or three times a day with other local authorities also announcing this change. It's going to mean that New Zealand-wide libraries are going to be more accessible, to people without this punitive fee.
13: Many libraries in New Zealand have already disestablished fines for children and Miss Walsh says scrapping them for the whole community can only be a good thing.
5: Often when you work in a library you don't see the results immediately of people coming into the library that you see them years later come back in and say look if it wasn't for me being able to come into the library and have the assistance of a librarian or access to materials that they couldn't otherwise have got and you see these people out there just being successful and really enjoying life and encouraging others
0: to do the same We're heading towards 6 o'clock, salad fans bad news for you, there's a warning from vegetable growers that you might struggle to find any spinach or rocket or mesclun leaves on the shelves at all soon, it's the cold and wet weather you see, it's seen crops perish and pushed prices to eye watering levels our producer Matthew Tunison spoke to growers to find out more
4: $8.99 That's how much a simple iceberg lettuce was being sold for at one West Auckland supermarket we visited this week. And growers are warning, spinach and loose leaf lettuce will soon be in short supply. Richard Burke is chief executive of Leader Brand Produce, which has North Island farms in Gisborne, Matamata and Pukekohe, and in Chertsey in the South Island.
7: There's been some really difficult conditions right through this winter, and even autumn was pretty poor, so planting conditions were pretty hard. But, you know, we've seen some pretty rough weather down the lower North Island. Pukekoe's had some really nice weather through autumn, but it's been wet up there for the last month or so. And Gisborne's been wet for quite a long period of time. So what you're seeing is the effect of not just rain, but cold rain, which on sensitive leaf crops is fairly negative towards their growth and performance.
4: All of this means it's tough times for growers. To
7: a certain extent, winter is like this. It just seems like you know there's a lot of talk on fresh around price and inflation and, and we seem to be getting, getting the finger pointed at us that we're price gouging. But really it's been quite a tough period of growing for the first half of this calendar year to be fair. And so what you're seeing in the market now, particularly with fresh, is yes there's some impact from increased costs but a lot of it's around crop performance weather conditions and some tough things that we've had to deal with. And on top of that, we've had some, some cost increases, but we're not feeling like we're making a whole lot of money, I can tell you that.
4: The poor crop is particularly bad news for producers of packaged loose leaf salad, as well as Leader Brand. Much of this comes from Living Foods. Here's its business development manager, Kieran Hari.
1: We had some really heavy rains that sort of flooded crops. So we had spinach turning yellow mescaline leaves sort of rotting in the ground, getting diseases. The disease is also coming through due to the fact there's no wind to, to dry things out, the, so the leaves are sort of staying wet for a long period of time. So, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of different things that are sort of setting it back.
4: Unlike growers of head lettuces or bunch spinach, Bagged salad prices are mostly fixed, so his company is absorbing the cost of the poor crop. So whilst you might be able to pick up a relatively cheap packaged salad, Mr Hurry says over the coming weeks you might struggle to find any at all.
1: We certainly aren't able to supply the the volume that we usually do. At at the moment it's week by week or sort of proposition as to what direction we're going to go in. You know, a couple of days of fine weather might might mean we're going to be okay for a few days, and then if we get some rain, you know, we we may be out again for a f- for a few days following
4: that. Richard Burke has some advice for people looking for a salad alternative. Well, definitely
7: slaws. Cold slaws are fairly steady. Cabbage is nice and strong, and it's a base of slaws. So you'll find a lot of slaws will be out there in the next couple of weeks. They're pretty good. Broccoli's still going pretty well. But really, if you look around and and see what's good value on the shelf, because there'll always be something. You know, we we live in a supply and demand market. We're we're not a cost plus, so whenever we have high supply, we're looking to move it at at really good values. So you'll always see something out there that is good value and and be creative with that.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, There we go. Uh, Thank you very much for all your participation in the show this week, particularly Dave, who texted in at 2101 and said New Zealand should call their feta. I can't believe it's not feta. That is perfect as we take on the EU. Morning Report is next with Susie and Corin from all of us here at First Up. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. We'll put the show back in your ears live on Monday morning.